Okay, this is it. The Rush Fan Podcast. Something for nothing. Right. The inaugural issue. Inaugural? Episode. Not (laughs) issue. Yeah, okay. Episode number one. So I think we should start by telling people who we are and why we're doing this and why why you should listen. Yeah. So you go first. Um, Well, my name is Jerry. I'm a human being from New Jersey. All right. And I love Rush. That's and, why I'm doing this. All right. And my name is Steve. I'm also a human being from New Jersey. I knew that. I love Rush. We're both 50 or almost 50. I am 50. You are 50. I'm almost 50. And we've been Rush fans for a long time. Very long time. How long have you been a Rush fan, Jer? <sighs> Since 1986. 86? Or is it 85? Uh, I believe it was, it was 86. 86. It was 86. Yes. So I mean, uh, I had heard Rush as a younger man. Back in, you know, you couldn't escape uh, Tom Sawyer and that kind of stuff from classic right. rock. But I was never, a, I wasn't a Rush fan until that, that fateful day, Steve, when we went to see that concert. And it was? The Power Windows Tour. I have the album right here. Look at that. Beautiful. And I have, thanks to uh, the great website, setlist.fm, I have the set list from the show. Wow. That we saw at the then called Brendan Byrne Arena Uh in New Jersey. Right. And um, that was the first time we saw Rush and we were hooked after that. Now, I'll admit I was a Rush fan well before that. Uh, I had moving pictures right about when it came out. Mm, Um, Nice. And where I got that. Early adopter. Early adopter. Well, I don't know if people people our age are familiar with Columbia House. (laughs) you'd get 13 <laughs> albums for one penny, right? Right. So that was one of the 13 albums I got. What were the other ones? Oh, I have no idea. But I know... <laughs> <laughs> As the clock goes on, <laughs> clockwork angels. It's time to take our medicine. Yes. Uh, but one of the albums I got was Moving Pictures by Rush, and, and I was hooked immediately after that. I bet the next one of the other ones had to have been that Sticks album. Right. No, actually, I had the Sticks album before that. I had Sticks on vinyl. The, the Columbia House, I got cassettes, believe it or not. Oh, wow. So, um, so I had a cassette of moving pictures, which I no longer have. I would love to know the other <laughs> the other cassettes that you got. <laughs> I have no idea. I High out, Fidelity, we were listening to that the no, other day. No, no, no. I had that on vinyl, too. Like I, the Ramones, I have no like idea. anything, like, was it old? The Cars? Know. The Cars, yes. Was it really? Uh, the first one? Shake It Up. Shake it up. So this was 1981, something like that. Man, this clock is driving me crazy. Well, it's, it's 8 o'clock when we're doing this, so it's, it's just it's going to o'clock. keep going. It's going to keep going. Um, <laughs> what was I saying? You were saying that it was 1981. Right, it was 1981. So most of the albums that I got through Columbia House were albums that came out in 80, 81, and Shake It Up by the Cars was one of them, uh-huh. which is also a great album. That is a great album. Maybe... Uh, Glass Houses, Billy Joel? No, no. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could just spend the whole half hour guessing what... Blondie, Parallel Lines? <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea. Anyway, back to Rush. <laughs> the reason we're here is because we love to talk about Rush. We do. And we love to listen to podcasts. And I know at least I was searching for a Rush podcast. I figured Rush is great. Why isn't there a Rush podcast? Why isn't there a Rush podcast? Well, now there is. Why does the sun shine? <laughs> I don't it just know. just does. 
I don't know. So we're going to talk about Rush. Okay. And we want the people who are listening to be involved in the podcast too. Sure. So if there's something you want us to talk about, or if you think we're idiots. looking right at me. I'm looking right at you. If you think we're idiots, if you think we don't know what we're talking about, which we might not, which we might not. But look, I'd rather listen to two idiots talk about Rush than listen to two idiots talk about anything else. That's true. Right? Right. So there are lots of huge Rush fans out there who like to talk about Rush and could easily spend a half hour listening to us. And they may or may not be idiots. We don't know. Oh, no. Well, I know we're idiots. The people who are listening, <laughs> I can't speak for them. But they can... They can only tr- they can make that determination. Only they can make that determination. And they can... They can find us on Twitter. We've got our own Twitter handle. Wow, that's a, that sounds yeah. very important. Uh, well, it's not really. Oh, uh, Rush Fancast so at Rush Fancast at Rush Fancast. And uh, I don't know if we mentioned it, but we're calling the podcast something for nothing. Something for nothing because you're getting it for nothing, really. And it's the title of a Rush song. And it is something, and it is the title <laughs> of a Rush song. So I think what we're we're planning on doing is talk about a different album every single podcast. Right. And we're going to start with Power Windows. Power Windows. Since that was the tour. Correct. That we saw that turned us into Rush fanatics. And do you know on that tour, uh, Rush played seven of the eight songs on Power Windows they played on that tour throughout the whole tour. Can you name the song that they did not play at the show we were at? And that. Let's look at the track list right here. Take a look. Take a look at the track list. See if you. Um, let's I've got to see, see if they played it ever. This this could be one of those songs. There are a few songs that I don't think Rush has ever played. I'm going to say Emotion Detector. You are correct. Wow, that really? that is the song. And I'm looking at um, again. I'm looking at setlist.fm. Can you search by song on setlist.fm? Uh, I I may I may be able to. Let's check it out. They may be a sponsor someday, so we should keep saying the name. No, they've never played that song live. They've never played that song. Live. Nope. So why don't we start with that song? Emotion detector. When we lift the covers from our feelings, we expose our insecure spots. Trust is just as rare as devotion. Forgive us our simple thoughts. Okay. All right. So what are your thoughts on emotion detector? Well, you know, it's an interesting song. For me, it begins, uh, it's kind of where Neil begins to be more personal. Okay. For me. I mean, definitely on the, on the next album, Hold Your Fire, most of those songs are very personal, I think. Mm. And Emotion Detector is where I think he starts going into that mode because, uh, as the title would suggest, it's about emotions. Yes. It's a very emotional song. It's about the difficulty of expressing yourself and the vulnerability of expressing yourself to someone else mm-hmm. and how they might react to you. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. And the theme of Power Windows is power, I guess. It's power, right? yeah. The whole Every song has something to do with um, powerful institutions and the way that they might uh, affect our daily lives and also uh, the corruption of power, mm-hmm. um, whether it's politically, as you'll see in, in um, Territories, right. which is one of my favorite Rush songs. Mm-hmm. Just of all of the Rush songs, my favorite Rush song. Of all Rush songs, all Rush Territories songs, is your favorite. Well, Rush no, song? it's in the. Top. This is coming out immediately. It's in the. T- <laughs> Cut into the chase. Uh, Cut no, to the chase is your favorite Rush song. Is that a Rush song? Yes. 
are you are you a co-host of the Rush <laughs> podcast, Jer? Of course, Cut to the Chase is a Rush song. Sometimes I call my daughters the dogs' names. So, you know, not knowing Cut to the Chase <laughs> is a Rush song. Cut name. to the Chase is on Counterparts. Oh, you see, I, was gonna, I wasn't going to say that. Okay. Um, <laughs> Territories is one of my favorite songs. Top, mm, that's a hard one. Top 20? Top 20, okay. For many reasons. And when we talk about that, I will tell you the many reasons why. We could talk about that right now if you want to. Well, let's start back at the beginning then maybe. Uh, you want to you wanna start with uh, Big Money? Big Money. Okay. The Big Money, which is it the is actual It is The time. Big Money. The Big Money. I always call it Big Money, but it is The Big Money. Boy, we are losing Rush cred. We, we, we never had Rush that's cred. That's true. That's true. Well, let's be honest. Let's be there honest. There are... No, seriously. I mean, we're big Rush fans, right. but... There are way, way bigger Rush fans than way we bigger are. Rush fans. And those are probably the only people that are listening right now because they're, I mean, they'll listen to anything about Rush, right? Right, obviously. They're, exactly. <laughs> they're listening to this. They're listening to this. So, so to those people, we apologize in advance. Uh, no, and we thank you for listening. Of course. Right? And apologize. And apologize, yes. So big money. The Big Money. You just, the, the Big Money. The Big Money is uh, an interesting song. For, again, if we're just talking about uh, the, the way Rush moves on in the future, I think The Big Money is probably where they start the putting that one song at the beginning of the album. That's like their, almost like the first and single. And you don't, you don't think they did that previously? It didn't, well... It doesn't seem like Subdivisions, I know, is, you know, like a single from the album. It doesn't have that same feel. It doesn't have that first song feel. Like everything, probably after uh, Grace Under Pressure, right? Right. First yeah. song of Grace Under Pressure. Is Distant Early Warning. Distant Early Warning. Right. That is like almost like an anthem, like the album's anthem, right? It's usually what they open the concert with. Right. And... And that's where, I think that's where it started, but this is where it really kind of took off. Like they started, they did that song and they're like, hey, that's a pretty good idea. Let's have some kind of anthemic album opener. And on and, uh, Hold Your Fire, which was the next album, right? Force 10. Force 10. I think they did that from na- from then on. Uh, and let's see, um, what was the first song on Presto? Oh boy. See? It's, what kind of Rush fan are you, Jer? <laughs> what kind of Rush fan are you? I'd have to, I'd have to look. Myself. Show don't tell. Yes, there you go. Again, right? I think when we saw them on that tour, they opened up with that song. Yes, and 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 Tess for Echo was Tess for Echo, and they opened with that song as well. All right, there you go. So I think that this is where it really starts, and this is a really interesting song because it sets the tone for the entire album. Mm-hmm. Album being about power, mm-hmm. and what's more powerful than money? Uh. Nothing. Except maybe more money. Sex. <laughs> That's true. Possible. That is possible. It's very possible. Now, or none of the songs are about... Rush never wrote a song. Have they ever... There's a couple of songs that have sexual themes, but nothing just blatantly about sex. No. No. Why did we go to that immediately? I don't well, know. I don't know. It's a, I mean, because that's what rock and roll is all about. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there a... 
a Led Zeppelin song that isn't about sex. <laughs> it's true. Doesn't matter what it is. And Rush was heavily influenced by Led Zeppelin. Right. So strangely, they didn't veer in that direction. Right. Every song, there's like lemon juice squeezing down someone's leg, right? <laughs> Isn't that like a common theme in all of Led Zeppelin's Especially music? the lemon song. <laughs> Custard pie. There must be some kind of right, lemon in there. Right. Um, yeah. So uh, the big money. It's, it's another interesting lyrically. I'm probably going to talk more about lyrics than anything else. Not being a musician. Okay. Not being a lyricist either, but being someone who likes lyrics. Okay. I can sing the lyrics. You can be the lyric guy. I can be the music guy. There you go. Division of labor right here. Okay. Uh, It's an interesting song because he says big money 2,000 times in this song, I think. But he never says the big money, which is is strange that the title is the big money, but he never says the big money in the song. But, you know, it starts off, and classic Neil, I think, is is a great example of his wordplay that he gets into a lot, probably culminating... See, we're talking about other albums already. It's okay. Don't worry about it. We can talk about... This is our podcast, Jerry. We can do whatever we want. It's true. We can talk about Led Zeppelin's The Lemon Song if you want to. I guess so. We could listen to that clock again. We could. Um, Is it Anagram for Mongo? That is on Presto, yes. That's a great wordplay song. Yes. But this also has some interesting wordplay too. Like, um, I guess it's the second version of the chorus. I guess what passes for the chorus. Sometimes building ivory towers, sometimes knocking castles down, sometimes building you a stairway, lock you underground. Mm-hmm. You know, you got a, you got a tower and a castle, and they, he just he just flips the meaning with the same kind of imagery. Now, what what, what, what does Neil mean by knocking castles down, Jer? What do you think? Sandcastles? See, that's what I, I was thinking, sandcastles. Right. But yeah. I could be wrong. No, I think it's right. Okay. But it has a, you know, it has a, a, a heavy connotation being like made of stone, but it's not. It's made of sand. Mm-hmm. Right? So you got the ivory tower people who are all the smarties, smart, smarts of the world. Mm-hmm. They have all the money and all the smarts. And the fool on television getting paid to play, play the fool. The fool. Right. Who's that who's that referring to? Who's that referring to? Could be uh, a multi- could be a multitude of people, right? Could be multiple, yeah, could be a lot of people. Just somebody who um is able to turn their own personality into a money-making venture. Mhm. I just love I love in the lyrics in in the verses, you know, he doesn't repeat anything, you know, big right. big money go around the world, big money underground and then it's a laundry list here Yeah, uh, up till the end where he says big money got no soul. Right. Yeah. And again, it's a, it's full of the, the lyrics are full of opposites. Mm-hmm. Goes around the world, goes underground. The mighty voice makes no sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, pull a million strings and holds the prize. Weave a mighty web for all the flies. Okay. That's not an opposite, but you know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. So it's a great exploration of power. Uh, and a great way to introduce the entire album, I think. No, I agree. I agree. Um, now, the thing I wanted to talk about, about Power Windows, is we we were introduced to Rush at this show. Yes. So Power Windows was really our introduction to Rush. Right. So that's what got us hooked. This album is what got us hooked. Right. But for many Rush fans, they were Rush fans well before Power Windows right. came out. We used to see a guy... At, at some of those shows we went to, like, and after the um, the next album, there was a guy who was like a biker dude, 
and he wore a sleeveless denim jacket, right? He was a big guy. Okay. Maybe you don't remember this. We used to get tickets up front in the first section for like $15. Oh, yeah. So we, I think we saw um, Hold Your Fire tour. We were like 17th row. Mm -hmm. And this, I always saw this dude up front, and he had every single patch-related mm -hmm. thing, and he did not enjoy uh, Hold Your Fire. Right. I was watching him. Well, and, and, and I saw him on a couple of tours. But and even later on, even up until the Clockwork Angels tour, uh, was it the Clockwork Angels tour? It may it have been. R40. It may have been R forty. They played a lot, a lot of songs from played like five in a row from, from this album, right? right? And everyone went and gone to the bathroom. They right. were gone. I know. People just left. I know. And they came back. I know. Um, Fools. Well, especially if they missed the Manhattan Project. Absolutely, but. There are a lot of Rush fans, many of whom may be listening and figuring this is a terrible podcast. They're talking about Power Windows because I hate Power that Windows first, right? Right. But kind of this idiots. Is, but this may be our way of weeding out the not real Rush fans. You Ooh. know, is, is it wrong for me to say that? It, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we just start bashing people. <laughs> well, look. I mean, I mean, it may sound crazy, but I really feel like. You're not a true Rush fan if you don't appreciate this album in at least some way, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that's fair to say. Because it, it, it lyrically at least, well, musically, obviously, it, it's just a different direction. Oh, it's absolutely. a whole different direction. It doesn't so, sound like any other, this album and Hold Your Fire don't sound like any other Rush albums. So what I was getting at is that guy with, with the, uh, the jean jacket with the patches, right. when he... Bought this album. Let's call him Eric. Eric. And when Eric put put it on his record player or popped the cassette into his cassette player and heard right. that first that first chord of big money, what was he thinking? Probably what the hell is this? What the hell is this? Right. I wasted my big money right. on this album. That's what he's thinking. Yeah, and and judging by the look of that guy, he probably didn't have much money. Oof. Was that wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Well, he spends a lot on patches. Right, that's true. There that were a is lot true. of patches. But it was it's definitely a different sound for Rush, even yeah. even more so than I mean, Grace Under Pressure was was heading in that direction. I mean But definitely it's not as a uh, heavy guitar album. Right. But Alex's guitar playing on this record is just brilliant, I think. I mean I mean it's How not so? I mean his solos are I think the the solos on this record are some of his best solos, I think. Really? Yeah, don't you think? Well, I like the fact that he, even though there's so much keyboard, there's keyboard everywhere. There's, there, isn't a, there isn't a space that isn't filled in by keyboard somewhere. Mm -hmm. That's what it sounds like anyway. That he finds his space. Right. He finds the spaces to play. Right. And it, that's what's brilliant about it, though. Right. I mean, and, and, the, and the spaces he finds are just, I mean, the chords are just, they just hit you, you know? Right. And it's just they wash over you, right? It's just great. Um, the thing, as you know, as a a former bassist, I mean, I sort of play bass still, but the thing that I don't like about this record is that Getty's bass playing kind of takes a back seat when the keyboard parts are in there. You know, sonically, or just he doesn't play bass. He plays bass, but not you know not as much as on the on the earlier records, and not as much as on the. The later records in right. this period, you know, I think it was more done more so when the when Rush is on stage, 
he's playing the bass on pedals, you know? Right. And so he's, he's triggering the bass. Right. He's playing the bass with his feet, but there it's it's not you know, it's not that Getty Lee, you know, yeah. bass playing that we're we're used to hearing. Yeah. You know? I mean he it goes back and forth on this record. But it's I mean it's still great. Do you think they did that because uh, he knew he had to play it live? I would think so. I don't know. Didn't want to. When no. we have Getty on the podcast, we'll ask him that. Have to ask him. Write that down. Yeah. <laughs> the questions for Getty. Let's start a list. That is the ultimate goal. To, to have to Getty make, on the podcast. Not Yeah, just to be successful enough that Getty says, you know what? Maybe I'll be on that podcast. Huh. These guys know what they're talking about. All right. Let's set that as our goal. That'll be the goal. And uh, we won't actually, stop doing it until he shows the up. The first goal <laughs> would be to get a, a listener. Okay. That'll, Second we'll, goal, Getty. Okay. All right, so yeah. so uh, anything else to say about uh, The Big Money? The Big Money, no. Okay. It is... Uh, so we're going to move on to the second song on the on the record? Grand Designs, yeah. Grand Designs. A to B. Grand Designs is a weird song. What do you think? I think so. Just the, the way, just the way it, it comes in and the, the beginning of the music. I mean, I love the song again. Mm-hmm. It's, but, you know, I'm tr- it was difficult for me, like, in the, under the heading of power, mm-hmm. what, what is the grand design? What's the power in grand designs? Is it like the grand designs, like, oh, I have a grand design. I'm going to, you know, get Getty Lee on my <laughs> podcast. Or is it, yeah, I mean, I'm, I was just confused as to I what grand designs really means. I think th- I think a grand design is whatever whatever you want it to be, uh, whatever the your goal in life is. You know, say you wanted to be an architect and build a building. You know, I mean, that's designing in a literal sense. But right. but whatever whatever it is you want to accomplish in life is your grand design. That's how I interpret it. But right, but it I seems, could be wrong. And it seems critical of maybe other people's grand designs so much style without substance so much stuff without style you know it's hard to recognize the real thing it comes along once in a while are they are right. they saying that there's maybe like a maybe lot of fake grand designs out there that that you know the word grand can also be kind of pejorative you know what i mean like someone's pretending to be something that they're not right so I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I mean, I think I think it could be uh, that maybe the people that are that are producing this stuff, maybe they maybe what Neil's trying to say is all that stuff doesn't matter. What really matters is I don't know other things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, su- substance. I mean, it's uh, against the run of the mill. You know, he's. I mean, that's that's Russia in a nutshell, right? Right. They just, it's not that they don't care about what other people are doing. It's just that they just want to do what they want to do. Right. Well, that's just it. I guess that's a form of not caring, but it's not an act of not caring. It's a, hey, this is what we have to say, so let's say it in our way. So maybe this song is really about them. Maybe. Maybe. And it, it could be about the album Power Windows itself. I mean, yeah. It's one of those things where they they decide this is this is the direction they wanted to go in. This is the type of music they wanted to do. Getty was getting real really into the keyboards, right. and um, you know maybe Alex wasn't a hundred percent on board with that. 
From what I remember we, reading a lot. From what we understand. Yeah. But I mean, he, he did embrace it though, you know? Yeah, of course. As best he could. Um, and I, well, I, would, I mean, he, and he shines, he could have shut down, but he didn't. Right. And I would guess he enjoys playing the, the music. I was just judging by the fact that they played a lot of these on the R40 tour. Right. That I'm sure Alex had a lot to do with that set list and he must really enjoy playing these songs. So yeah. otherwise they wouldn't have done them. So, right. But like you said, it could just be, you know, rush, rush themselves, you know, yeah. against and, the run of the I mill, mean, as you say. This is a concept album. Right. Not in the, not in the, uh, you know, 2112 type of thing or the, um, you know, Quadrophenia or one of those kinds of albums. It's a concept because it's all the songs are about a, on a single theme. Right. So that's, that's a pretty grand thing to try and accomplish. Oh, sure. Sure. Uh, so that brings us to the next song on the album, which I would say is probably my favorite Manhattan Project. Imagine the time when it all began. I want to say the Manhattan Project. No, it, see, in this case, it's just Manhattan Project. Right. This this needed a the. And the other one didn't. No, the other one didn't. Maybe it was a typo. I have them. You never know. I don't think so. I think they probably checked that. I uh, looked up why the Manhattan Project was called the Manhattan Project. I, I don't know. Uh, why don't you tell me? Because it originally started you know, the project to build the bomb right. started in New York because that's where all the, I don't know, egg all the smart were. people, all were. the smart eggheads were and their ivory towers. Um, and all of the uranium that they had brought in from like central Africa was stored at the docks at New York. Really? Yeah. Is that dangerous? I would imagine it is. I hope they still don't store it there. I mean, I'm. St- <laughs> I don't know anything about storing uranium. Okay, but it sounds like an insecure place, and actually, that was one of the reasons why they decided to move out to wherever, the desert, right? Because it was on the coast, right? And if somebody wanted to spy on them from the water or whatever, or in- get you know get into their program somehow, just by water and have just have all that uranium lying around now is uranium by itself just dangerous in itself i mean if well, I someone blew up their uranium what what happens i mean i don't know much about how to build an atomic bomb thankfully either do i we should have researched that before we did this. i know Very i know that you too knows how to dismantle an atomic bomb. <laughs> i don't think they do um i haven't the slightest idea i could talk about it maybe i'm assuming uranium is is radioactive Right. That's my guess. And I know you just can't use any kind of uranium. You have to have enriched uranium. Okay. What that means, I don't know. Maybe it's like enriched cereal. I don't know. So now this song is one of the few, maybe, are there other Rush songs that are about true events? I'm trying to think. Um, By Torn a Snow Dog. Is it really? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think this may be the, if not, um, could be the only Rush song that's about 
his, a, a historic event. Yeah, yes. historical narrative. Right. Which I think is great. If anybody knows, if there are others, please let us know. Yeah. You can tweet us at Rush Fancast. No one's tweeted us yet, so at well, least at the recording of this podcast, no one's tweeted right. us yet. This is the first one, so. True. We do have about 10 followers, though, Jer, so far. Excellent. 10's a good good place to start. It's a nice round number. It's a good place to start. Um, so, I mean. Oh, yeah. The, you were going to talk about the lyrics of the song? Yeah, so the Manhattan, the, the song is is only from the perspective of the U.S., Right. Which I think is a smart move, truthfully. Oh, yeah. Because it, it, he, you wouldn't want to write it from the other side. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I don't think so. It would be, first of all, it would be a terrible song. It would be terribly depressing. Not that this song isn't right. depressing. It sounds non-depressing because it really kind of builds up at the end. But it's, it's kind of a, a dour song. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the whole album, really. I mean, our first listen, I mean, I remember, I mean, I mean, I didn't have the album until after we went to the show, but, you know, first couple listens, it's a, you know, it's not exactly a, a happy album. No, it's not a happy album. But this is, True. this song, I would say, is is one of the more dour, as you say. Yeah. Um, I like how it starts off with that militaristic drum. Ba-da-da-bum. Mm-hmm. And Getty's keyboards on this are just great, you know. Yeah. The, you know, he he did a really good job for yeah. someone who was, uh, you know, probably admittedly just learning how to play keyboards and. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, he and just. When did he learn? I guess sometime sometime uh, around you know seventy nine eighty he probably taught himself you know. Yeah. And uh, that's great, you know, and incorporating it into the music is is amazing, really. Yeah kind of do that on the fly yeah so lyrically you know it's a pretty straightforward song but there are some really good observations i think okay in the in the song most notably toward the end where he says oh where i can't even think of the words right now it's the part where he says you know they always had before Oh, it's at the first, it's the first, right, right, the right. first verse. The weapon that would settle the score, whoever found it first would be sure to do their worst. They always had before. Yeah. And it makes you think, you know, what if we didn't find it first? Somebody else would have done their worst. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was, that was a huge concern at the time. I oh, sure. I mean, I think uh, most of the um, architects of the bomb were German, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. So if we hadn't, you know, somehow well, coaxed them over here. Yeah, I mean, it's a t- it was a tough choice for the president at the time, Truman. I mean, he had, you know, either he uses this thing and and wipes out the whole city and right. and, and what turned out to be two cities, right? Or wait for wait for somebody else to to do the same to us. Did you ever see the Fog of War? No, it's a documentary about war <laughs> and, <laughs> and fog. It's an interesting documentary. Less about fog and more about war. Yeah. I mean, the fog of war is, is uh, I think, a reference to the fact that when you're in a war, you, you can't really see that far in front of you. You have to do what's in front of you. Right. You can't see too, too, pa- too far past what you're going to do next. Mm-hmm. And so there's that. Um, yeah. Um, 
And it also makes you think about what the guy who was flying that plane was thinking as he dropped that bomb. Yeah, I'm not mistaken. I don't remember the guy's name at all. I'll never remember the guy's name. But he, in like his flight journal or something like that, he wrote something like, I am the bringer of death or something like that. Really? I am the destroyer. Some weird... And did he write that? Why, why do you think he wrote that? Because he just watched the bomb explode. I mean... Oh, you mean afterwards? Afterwards. Oh, jeez. After he dropped the bomb. I thought, I thought you meant beforehand. Oh, no. Afterwards. Oh, man. I am the bringer. I don't know what it's. Some, some kind of a... How do, you li- how do you live with that, you know? I don't know how you do it. You know, I mean, I don't know how many... I don't, I don't know offhand how many people died... You know, a lot, a lot, yeah, yeah. And then they went and did it again in Nagasaki, right? I don't know. Was it the same plane that they used? I'm guessing not. It wasn't the Enola Gay? I don't know. Don't know. I don't know. I don't know the names of many planes. I have to no. tell you. Not well, many... I know this one only because it's in the lyrics, right? Well, I knew anyway, but right. How can I forget now? Yeah. So uh, again, there's another line in here that is interesting. Oh, it's just, it's the line we were just talking about. Uh, would be sure to do their worst. They always had before. It reminds me of something Neil deGrasse Tyson was talking about once, where he was talking about sci-fi movies where aliens come down to Earth and they want to take over Earth, destroy us or enslave us or whatever. Okay. And he says the reason why that we think that why we give that motive to invaders is because whenever anyone on earth has ever invaded another country that's what they did right they fought them Mm -hmm. took their land took their land destroyed everything so that's just what we're used to we're used to doing the worst right that's really what i'm trying to say and this is this is bad this is the worst the bomb yeah i mean nobody's ever done done it again. And hopefully they won't. So that tells you how bad it is, right? Oh, yeah. All the crazy things that people have done, not only during wartime, everyday atrocities that happen across the globe, nobody has ever done this particular atrocity again. That's how bad it is. Right. Well, and now, I mean, the technology is so much better now that if someone did it now, it would not only destroy a city, but it would probably, you know, get into the atmosphere of the earth and sure. just ruin everything for everybody. So sure. I think that's probably a bigger reason why yeah. it doesn't happen. A rare moment of self-preservation. Yeah. This is a downer album, isn't it? Dude. <laughs> I'm going to need some candy. We should yeah. get some candy. It's a good idea. Yeah. I why don't we, we get, some, this is getting really heavy. A little I think heavy. this is a, this is a good time to stop. Take our, a breather. Take a breather. Like a little palate cleanse. Right. So we'll we'll come back in the second Something for Nothing podcast and talk about the rest of Power Windows. Sure. Sounds like a great idea. And uh for now, we'll uh we'll sign off and we'll let everybody know again that they can follow us on Twitter at Rush Fancast. Let us know what you think. What do you think of the first podcast? Maybe listen to the second one first and then let us know what you think. The second one first. No, the second one before you let us know what you think. 
Oh, sure, yeah. Because they got to finish power windows. Got to finish we, power windows. We have to finish power windows. They have to finish power windows. Go listen to Power Windows if you haven't listened to it. That's right. It's a great record. It is. Album, what have you. Yeah. Um, so we'll wrap this up. And, yeah. um, and just remember, Steve. Yes. Big money got no soul. True. Very true. Till next time, Jerry and Steve, something for nothing. Talk to you soon. See ya. Thank you.